Oh, really? You do. Uh, you do so much. Um, and so can I maybe ask Tracy's community to just maybe come up to the front, just to gather around her. Um, and if we could just pray for her, just for, for the rest of the year to be in good health, um, in good spirit. Um, yeah. Father God, we thank you for Tracy, Father God. This um, just such a blessing, Father God, for our kids, for each one of us, each person that knows her. And Father God, I pray that this year ahead, Father God, she would know your presence and your joy far more than she's ever experienced in her life before, Father God. I pray that as she goes into this uh, new season, Father God, that it would be a, a season of, of reaping, Father God, what she sowed for so many, Father God. So, Father God, I pray you would bless her, that you would keep her, that you would make your face to shine upon her, Father God. And just, yeah, just we love her, Father God. Just, I pray that as we, as we love on her, Father God, she would know your love so much more today and for this year, Father God. Amen. 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 <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought I'd take this um, opportunity, grab it while I could have the mic, you know. Um, Anton, could you put Isaiah 61 verse 3 on quickly for me? I think it's verse 3. I won't be long. About 45 minutes. I should be fine. It's my birthday. Um, I had, the, I had the, the privilege of looking after my mommy for just over six years. And she went to be with Jesus last Thursday. And it was such a privilege for me to have ministered to her and loved her the way that I did for six years. And I feel pretty chuffed. And... <laughs> In verse 2, it talks about, it's this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, and it talks about those who comfort, who those who mourn will be comforted. But those who mourn in Zion, okay, I was there, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, and the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The oil of gladness flows through my veins as I mourn for my mother. I have seen God's hand and the group of people that you saw around me now is only a fraction of the group of people that have surrounded me during this season. I have been loved abundantly. And I want to say this and I want to share this because I want you to know that when you come into family, you come into family. And so as someone that on paper, it says that I'm an orphan and I'm single, I'm not. I have aunts and sisters and brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews and people that surround me. And so I want to say that when you have lost, you're not lost. And when you have someone that's been taken, it's, you're not alone. So I just want to say to you that when you're in Christ Jesus, you have so much more. So be encouraged as I am that this girl is not single. And this girl is not alone. Thank you so much for everybody that's been around me and surrounded me and blessed me on my birthday, but also in this crazy season. Bye, doll. Okay, that's my exit. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. For those of you who don't know, Tracy gives the best hugs ever. Um, so, uh, yeah, obviously within boundaries with COVID and stuff. Um, so, might have said too much now. <laughs> But she does. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's super special. We love her so much. Um, so <laughs> just for those who are new, um, I welcomed you guys. But just um, we've got a video clip just explaining who we are as Josh Jane, um, which is done by Andrew Silly, um, who is our apostolic oversight. Um, yeah, so guys, you can just play the video. What if a church actually took God at his word? 
where every member felt a part of something eternal. And no matter who you were, where you were from, or what you'd done, you knew you had a part to play in something bigger than yourself. Where the Bible wasn't just a suggestion, but it was our blueprint for everything we did, even the controversial parts. And those who led did so by being willing to sit on the floor first when there weren't enough chairs for everyone else. Where we didn't follow a clock or a genre or a cultural movement, we followed the Holy Spirit even when no one else did. And when we spoke about family, we actually lived it with relationships that were loving, raw, and messy. Where miracles still happened, prophecies still flowed, signs and wonders followed, and the poor were welcomed with open arms. And above all else, when you walked into our midst, you couldn't help but meet the person of Jesus. We're not there yet, but this is our dream. Welcome to Josh Jim. Yeah. Thank you, guys, for your nifty fingers. <laughs> um, so just uh, one announcement. I'm not sure, Jazzy, are there any other announcements? Am I missing? Okay. I'll, after, I'll, it's a great idea to ask you after I've made them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, just one announcement. This is from Marley. Um, there will be smurs um, after church. Um, so, yeah. So I hope you guys are ready because they are good. Even though I've, I haven't had one, but they will be good. Um <laughs> And then, other than that, I can't think. Do you have one? Hello. There are a couple of 412 announcements for us uh, to be aware of. On the 11th and 12th of March, 412 is hosting an Ignite prayer event. So what that is, is a very exciting opportunity for us to stretch, grow, and learn what it is to pray and seek the Lord. And it's something that's going to be streamed globally. So we're praying with the Isle of Man. We're praying with Brazil. Zambia, everybody, it's going to be a global thing, hosted in Sunningdale. For those of us in Cape Town, we can join in person. So if you head over to 412's website, you'll be able to get the in-person registration link. It is also on the Edgemead PM notice group. So register for that. Then also two outreach opportunities for us as people. That's an exciting thing that's happening this year is we are able to go again. Thank the Lord Jesus. So the first one, Brett and Mike, Be- uh, Mike Bevan. That's a combination. Mm. Mike Davies are leading a team to Brazil from the 29th of, 30th of March. There we go. 31st of March to the 19th of April in Brazil. They're going to Sao Paulo and Belo Horizonte. You're more than welcome to again visit the website, 412 website to register. And then there's also one to the southern, to southern Africa, Zambia. Zim, Malawi, all on the 412 website. Thank you, Jazzy. Awesome. That's pretty cute. I see Yannicka is here. Welcome, Yannicka, to our humble abode. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. Um, so, Kellen, you have got something special to share with us. Um, do you? No, Jack, you do. Um, so, yeah, Kellen is just, yeah, she's got something to share um, with regards to finances. Um, and it's just crazy to see uh, just the Lord move. So, yeah. Totally forgot I had to do this until like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so I didn't really prepare, but oh, it's just part of my story. It's a testimony. Um, before, okay, wait. Firstly, I actually wanted to say to you guys, thank you so much for welcoming me so well um, into this congregation. Yeah, from the bottom of my heart, I feel like family. Um, I feel deeply loved. I'm sure I can speak for James as well, but we really feel very welcome. Um, yeah, and we enjoy you guys. You're an amazing group of people. Uh, very privileged to be here. So um, before I came to TMT, I, just quick background. I got saved out of a very broken background. Um, a lot of drugs and alcohol and things that I was doing that wasn't um, very great. And um, my dream when I got saved into a four-top church at Pretoria, my dream was to go to TMT and help other people, um, to learn to help other people to get out of what I came out of. Um, And I always wanted to do it, but I really never had the means to do it at all. Um, So I I prayed and I trusted, and some of the elders were like, with confidence, said to me, Kellen, you got to put your name out there. you got to start asking for sponsors. There was really just no way for me. 
Um, and so I started to uh, ask for sponsors and started to, so uh, two weeks before TMT starts, um, the financial administrator phones me and they're like, um, how's your finances looking? Can you pay for the first month? Um, like, just come to TMT and see what happens. And I was like, I don't have finances. Um, I won't be able to come, unfortunately. I think it was a week before TMT started. They phoned me again. And they said to me, uh, don't worry. Like, your first month is paid. Just come and see what happens. Um, then God provided a job for me. I actually started a business. Started paying TMT in my first year myself. Uh, got through my first year. Did my second year last year. And there were times where... Um, randomly, like, my, the administrator comes to me and he's like, yes, Kellen, I think um, you're going to have to, we're going to have to pause your program. You're in a little bit of debt. Um, last year, an example would be, he comes to me, he says, we have to do this, unfortunately. But I was like, okay, yeah, like, maybe God is, is closing the door for TMT and opening another door. Like, maybe I need to do more business or I, I wasn't sure. But I was like, you know what, let's trust. <laughs> Um, and I put a message on our TMT group. I said, yes, guys, this is the situation, but please pray and please trust with me. Um, an hour later, not, a, not even, yeah, an hour later, he comes back to me and he's like, Kellen, um, 15,000 rand of debt is paid off um, into your account. And the, th the thing was that they, they said um, the debt was paid the night before, actually. So before I even asked for, for prayer. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's what the end, it's crazy, like, oh, the Lord is crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, coming into my third year, I didn't think I was coming here, I didn't think, I thought I was staying in Wellington, carrying on with work, uh, I was comfortable, I was happy, I thought, shucks, okay, cool, just carry on with life as normal. And um, Mike phoned me the one day, Mike DeFay, and he said, Kellen, we really feel Esmeet PM is the congregation you, we want to send you to. And I was like, cool, no finances, uh, no means, but I've got faith for it. Um, and I just felt complete peace from the Holy Spirit. I was like, well, that's where I need to go. And I came here in faith, and um, a few weeks ago, someone phones me, and, and they're like, your whole year has been paid for. So, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> um, I really want to encourage all of you, uh, if, if finances are rough, if you're trusting um, we serve a good, 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 faithful father. Um, and I, I want to say, like, uh, whatever your situation is, um, just put your hope in God and follow him and he will provide and open the doors. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so just for, for those of you who don't know, um, Kellen and James. James, if you could, if we saw Kellen now. Can you maybe just stand up? This handsome young man. Um, if I could grow a beard, it would look like yours. Um, but they are what we call interns, um, and so they have come out of a Bible school called TMT that is linked with Josh Jen, um, and your intern year is basically just like, um, it's a year of your life where you just serve the church faithfully, you grow, um, and you learn just as much as you can, and I'm super excited about these two, um, yeah, man, just watch this face, um, yeah, so... Yeah, thank you for being here. And Kellen, just thank you for sharing. Super cool to see what the Lord is doing. Um, and just in general, um, uh, the worship team can maybe come on so long. Um, just hearing, um, I know, Brett, um, Captain, you guys ministered last night at the, at the youth camp, uh, or the, the student camp. And I just saw the message come through, like 15 salvations after last night. And, um, yes, it's, yeah. I mean, if, if you think of it, it's, that's like, in itself, that's already a community that you can, that's literally just, that can grow. That's already just seeing what God is doing in us as Josh Chen. Um, it's super encouraging. Um, and we're trusting for more. There's always more. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think just in this space, can we maybe just come to the front? Um, yeah, we're going to worship and just praise Him and just give Him all the glory. That is due to him. Um, yeah, so you guys are more than welcome to come to the front, please. <laughs>
So that was Kellen's first time leading worship. And I think he did really great. Amazing, man. <clears throat> Were you nervous? <laughs> uh, well done. You did good. Yeah, so lucky just to see the young, the young guys coming through here. Okay, I've got to tell you a story quickly. Sorry, Diane, where are you? Diane always sits on this side. Wait, Diane. She gone. Where'd you go? So how kiff is this? So just before the service, <laughs> we're standing there. I walk past Greg and Janine, and Diane's there. And she's like, you won't believe what just happened. I was like, what happened? She goes, I've been looking for my brother for how long? I don't want to get this wrong. 20 years? 20 years. She's been searching for her brother for 20 years. She even asked a friend to check the death list to see if there's any of her, bro- her brother's name on that thing. She couldn't find him anywhere. And then today she's coming into the church building and all um, our names are alphabetically put now. And she's going down and she, she sees, there's my brother's name. <laughs> so she comes. And Greg's her brother that she hasn't seen in life forever. <laughs> And I'm like, I thought you, they were pranking me. I was like, you know, you guys are joking. And then Janine comes. He's just checking, checking my, my husband out. And it's his sister. And how crazy is that? So after 20 years, and Janine, um, uh, and Diane's been visiting us since the end of last year. She's been in the same congregation as her brother has that she's been looking for for 20 years. And today they're united. How kiff is that? Yes. Don't cry with me. You make me cry. Yeah, I don't know. She was here earlier. She she was like maybe she was just overwhelmed. Like it's such a rad story. And I I just thinking like God is doing amazing supernatural things to a brother and a sister that have lost track for that long, and then they end up being in the same church. What God? What are you? You're amazing. So cool. Oh, she in the toilet. Okay, that was a bit awkward. Don't say that what you said to him. But how cool is that? Yeah, I'm blown away. And like, where's he? He's like, man, you must hear the story. I was like, don't worry, I know the story. <laughs> man, God is good, eh? Like bringing, oh, man, anyways. And then last night, we, um, last moment thing, uh, James, myself, and Kenny went through to the, the camp thing. You were there with Kefe. Yes, young people are lacquery. They energize. I met you after the preach. I hid outside. I like couldn't worship anymore. You guys were out of worship me. And um, I want to tell you a story from that quickly, like the way God works. So we start off the evening. Like I feel like we're not going to preach like I had planned. And we throw the net out off the bat. Eh? Like I'm sitting on the stairs and the oaks are sitting on the floor. And you were there. And like we shared a story like, Wesley, are you here? I don't want to embarrass you. My, my, Wesley's here. Is he out? Oh, and I just use a little bit of his story. So, so in this room right now, Wesley is the number one evangelist of all time in this congregation. So, how kiff is that? Without even being in the room. And so we just shared some of our story about adoption and what it is. And I just felt that we felt like there's some people here tonight that just need to give their lives to Jesus. And then one lady puts her hand up and then the next and the next and the next and the next. And I didn't count them. He said seven. I was like, no, he's definitely more than seven. And I said, can you stand? And just every, and we just prayed. And that was amazing. Like 15 young men and women going, we're committing our lives to Jesus. Hey? Through a story of a young man who wasn't even in the building. How careful is that? God is at work. And then there's another girlie that wasn't for that part. She, she left the building to go self-arm in the dorm. And later on in the evening, yeah, it was on my heart the whole night. And I, I, I'm scared to throw those words out like, hey, anyone want to commit suicide here tonight? I mean, you never really want to ask those questions. Or self-harm. And, and, and Kellen actually was feeling the same thing. Didn't know that until afterwards. And this lady, went, this young lady went to self-harm. And God said, no, you've got to go back into the meeting. And as she came back into the meeting, we were making a call. If you want to self-harm, if, there, if, there, if the enemy is robbing you, he wants, to, he wants to rescue you tonight. And she, yeah, there was about six, I think four girls and two guys. And they came to the front. And they were standing there. I said, if you love these guys and you want to trust with us to, for some kind of freedom tonight, just come forward. Yes, like a hundred oaks came. I had to dive out of the way, like literally. And I was like, don't take photos because it's not COVID friendly. 
And they just cried and snort and throna and prayer and powerful breakthrough. And the reason why I want to say that is the Lord is working in more ways than we can imagine. Yeah, and we're part of it. And this morning I was at Greenpoint, and thank you for the guys that came through tonight. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. The guys are so blessed by having us there this morning. And uh, yo, God is moving and he's working. Anyways, I just wanted to maybe build some more faith. Amazing. Um, so this is my fourth preach for the weekend. Woohoo! Almost done. Just one more. And then more. just one more, Lord. It's like that guy from, uh, what's it, uh, Hexel Ridge. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I hope so. Oh, I hope so. You see, putting my time on. It's fine. We found your husband's sister today, so that's amazing. And so um, I really felt like God had, has a word for us tonight. I'm really excited about this word. And it's for me at first and then for us. And, I, and um, the heart behind tonight, I think, that the Lord wants to do is this. I don't believe for one moment that anybody here in this congregation wants to just be a mediocre Christian. I believe with all my heart, otherwise we wouldn't be uh, doing life together that you desperately want what God has for you. And I keep on saying this, I'll drum it until we see it happen proper, you know what I mean? And so I want to use the story of Moses tonight just to illustrate something that if we could get this, I think it will help us move from coming out of the desert, crossing over the Jordan. So for those who don't have Bible context, I'm sure you guys all do, but just in case. Um, the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt Moses was raised up to be a redeemer, and he took them out of Egypt. And there was a point in history where they got to just before the promised land. And there was a river, the Jordan, um, in front of them. And I desperately believe that every single one of us want to get into that river and get over that river so that we can live in the fullness of what God has for us. The sad thing about Moses is he never got there. And, and hopefully if we look at his life tonight, we can learn some lessons from him that will stop us from being ineffective in that way. And for every single one of us to actually cross the Jordan instead of someone else taking it, if that makes any sense. And so I want to start where we're going to end. You know, like one of those movies that starts at the end and you go, what is going on? And then they rewind. That's what we're going to do tonight in the preach, okay? And so hopefully we can get this. So let's read Numbers 20 verses 10 to 12 quickly. <coughs> Uh, can I have some water, please, somebody? Just run quickly. Thank you. Um, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. Okay, so context. The Israelites had just been grumbling against Moses and Aaron and literally saying like, why have you brought us out of the Egypt? Why have you brought us out of captivity? It was better there. We're going to die in the desert. There's no food. There's no water. Our livestock and night. They're really just ranting. And so they come before this rock and they said to him, here now, you rebels. Shall we bring water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out, of, out abundantly, and the congregation drank in all their livestock. And then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore shall you not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. And so, let me just, this is harsh. After 120 years, at least 40 of them, maybe to 80 of them of those years, were Moses leading the Israelites, 3 million people, through the desert. He strikes a rock twice, and God says, you're not getting into the promised land that I promised you. It's super harsh. It's like, and just before then, Exodus 17, he struck the rock anyways. Like, it, this is the second time they're getting water out of a rock. And that time... He, <laughs> he struck it and water came and God was fine with him. This time God said, speak to the rock, don't strike the rock. And he struck the rock twice. And God said, that's it, you're done. Listen to the response that Moses has. Deuteronomy 3, verses 23 to 28. We're going to read it together. This is heartbreaking. And this is Moses. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O Lord God, you have not only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand, for what God is there in heaven or on earth that can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough. 
from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of so-and-so and lift your eyes westward, northward, southward. I did try practice, but I can never get that word. Eastward, and look at it with your own eyes, for you shall not go over, uh, so you, you, you'll not go over this Jordan. Get the heart of Moses. He's like, please, God. Please, God. And God's angry with him. He goes, I will, shut up. Actually, God says, shut up, Moses. I don't want you to speak about this. I've made my... It's so harsh. It's so harsh. And I was reading that, and I was like, God, what is going on here? And like, it almost goes against your character. Like, this guy's been faithful. These, I would not have liked to have led the Israelites. They were terrible people. They moaned about everything. They tried to stone Moses a few times. But one of them started a revolution. It's like that rock, you know, like in uh, Ragnarok. Hey man, I tried to start a revolution, man, but I didn't make enough flyers, and only my mom and her boyfriend came, kind of thing. And uh, and like it's it, yeah, rock paper scissors. Anyways, for those who've watched the movie, you'll get it. For those who aren't, what is going on, you know? And like, and God's like says to Moses, "Hey Moses, just maybe move away from those oaks." And he's like, and the earth just kills fifteen thousand of them. Boom. Man, he's he's had some gnarly times. And I was going, God, surely your mercies are new every day. Surely your kindness <laughs> leads us to repentance. And then he's going, he showed me something that I want to try to show you today. And it's not new, it's just I haven't seen it before. And it's like, that wasn't the first time. Oh, sorry, the guys on Zoom. I mustn't walk too far away from the pulpit. My bad. Hope you guys are feeling better at home. I'll just stay here today as much as I can. And so I think some of us are flirting on that line with the Lord. To be totally honest, like he's getting to that point where he's going to shut up now. Enough is enough. I've made, I've called something in your life and you're not going to experience what I've actually called you to do because of yourself. And so what God showed me is there's this massive crack in Moses' life that lasts 120 years that gets him to that point where he strikes a rock twice. It's the same crack. And the, and the point that I'm trying to make tonight is this. All of us have defaults and all of us have cracks. And our aim in the Lord is to become more like Christ, that our defaults and our cracks, those things that are stopping us from living for God, they get further and further apart in the cycle. That we don't get to the place where Moses messed it up one more time, the last time where God said enough is enough. Does that make sense? So your crack can be an emotion. It can be, it can be a hard attitude. It can be a sin. It could be a bad habit. It's something that isn't good. And God doesn't like it, and it actually stops you from stepping into what he has. And we all have it. I have my defaults. I have my cracks. And I'm desperately trying to work them through so I become more effective for the kingdom of God. And so I just wanted to set the, the, this foundation of, man, this is crazy. So let's look at Moses quickly. Moses was a legit guy. Like I'm almost thinking we should preach a few preachers on him because he's that cool. So these are, this is his titles. These are titles. He was a prophet, a priest, a lawgiver, a judge, an intercessor. A shepherd, a miracle worker, and the founder of a nation. This is like it's all in one package. You know what I mean? This guy's an Easter. He's like, he is the greatest figure in the Old Testament. He's mentioned 767 times in the Old Testament and 79 times in the New Testament. Moses was legit. Like, he was, he was crazy. He was like a leader like no other. He was the man that God chose to redeem his people. It's crazy. It's like... But he had a default. And his default was this. He had a heart for people. He had a deep love to redeem people, to take them out of poverty and slavery and all of that, and to pull them in. That was his default. It was a great default to have. He wanted to redeem people. And you see that throughout his life. But his crack was this. In wanting to redeem people and help them and love them and make them, he did things on his own strength. He took matters into his own hands and he didn't allow God to do it for him. Crazy, eh? And so a heart for people. Can somebody find out what that smashing noise is at the back there? Thank you. Just in case someone's dying or something. And so you can see, that was a joke, sorry. That was a joke, bad joke. Sorry about that. And so you see, this taking things on his own strength, trying to take things into his own hands. You see this thing coming through 
80 years at least of his life. Actually, 120 years of his life. Let me, so his life was broken up into 40, 40 40-year segments. So he was 40 years in Egypt as a prince. Then he was 40 years in Midian as a shepherd. And then the last 40 years of his life, he was roaming in a desert that could take three days to cross with three million people. And so, and in Egypt, he killed an Egyptian. In Midian, he maybe responded badly to the glory of God in the burning bush. We'll see. I'll just flesh this out. And then in the desert, he struck the stone on his own strength. And God said, I've had enough now. I'm going to stop you from going into the promised land. The point I'm trying to make is this. It's, there's, it's a slow fade. We don't fade away from the Lord quickly, generally. It's, it's generally a slow fade from the Lord. And there's a scripture I used a few weeks ago. Um, you've started in the spirit, but you're ending in the flesh. That thing takes years sometimes in us. And the longer you are as a Christian, the harder it is to love Jesus passionately on fire for him. Because I think we become, sorry, guys, I'm just trying to stay in the camera. My bad. Again, I just want to get to you guys. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, we're not going to get to you guys today. But it, we, 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 the more familiar we become with the Lord and his ways, the better we are at putting up a facade. The easier it is to fade away from him. Does it make sense? And so it's a really, it's an amazing thing to see old, old people loving Jesus with everything. Then you know those guys are aesters. Those are the real deal, you know. And so there's a song by Carson Crowns. It's called Slow Fade. It says this, be careful little eyes what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands. As darkness pulls the strings, be careful little feet where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. And so I think it's quite powerful lyrics. I mean, listen to the song. It's an amazing band. And so I, I, I want to warn us. I want to encourage us, but I also want to drag us straight today. Well, the Lord wants to do that part. Going, are you sliding? Is your crack, your default, stopping God from using you to the fullness of your life and your grace? Are you at the edge of the Jordan and he's saying, bud, you're not getting over there because I've had enough? (laughs) Or are you going to be like a Joshua? Going, Joshua was with Moses everywhere. He was the guy that stayed behind. He was the guy that found, he was the guy that had less cracks, actually. And God said to Moses, Bud, you're not going in. I've chosen Joshua because you've done this thing. So it's a little bit of a heavier word, but if we get it, it'll bring us freedom. So, yeah, my pastor's heart here. Okay. And so. How does this kind of play out in our lives? Well, pressure helps us see what cracks we have. So they say pressure doesn't necessarily cause the crack, but it definitely exposes it. And anything under high pressure, if there's a crack in a pipe and it's under high pressure. So I'll tell you a story. My dad, for 40 odd years, 48 years, whatever, he was in the um, petrol oil, crude oil business. And they would transport... um, Crude oil and diesel and fuel underground and underground pipes all over Durban, KwaZulu-Natal. And um, the one day um, there was a pinhole and there's like it's like, like 100 kPa or something per inch or whatever it is. And there was a little pinhole that uh, that formed in one of the cracks and no one knew about it until someone walked past that thing and the thing cut him in half because it was so concentrated, it was so small, you couldn't see with your naked eye, but as he walked past, that, that, the energy of that thing pushing through, ziggied him, dead. Massive issues for the company and everything. Just as there was a fluke. And it's that, it's pressure exposes that crack, pressure pushes out all the gunk. And so, if you want to know what your cracks are, when you're under pressure, check what comes out. <laughs> Thank you. Someone's waking up. <laughs> Thank you, Carl, you're encouraging me now. <clears throat> 
Yeah, yeah, me too, but I'm like, I'm like, should I preach this one? <laughs> because I don't know, I'm going to get beaten by the Lord, you know. <clears throat> There's a quote in saying this, true character is revealed in the choices a human makes under pressure. So if you want to know what your character's like, if you want to know what you're like as a human being, and more than that, a child of God, when the pressure comes, you'll know who you are. And so the greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation, the truer the choice of character um, of the character's essential nature. So in other words, if you're under immense pressure, but you hold the line, it's showing your character. It's showing that your cracks are not actually destroying you. It's showing that God has plugged them by His Holy Spirit and by His ways. And so your pressure could look like family pressure or financial pressure or illness pressure or it could, like it could be a million things. And we're different people and different pressures are different pressures. For me, financial stuff pressurizes me more than anything else. It's just for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe I have a lack of faith. I don't know. But that's my thing. I need to know. Like when we're in a tight situation, I've got to be very careful. Because that's the thing that really pushes me. That, like, that, that thing breaks me. I don't know why. Everything, it's weird. It's just that one thing that we're trying to work through. And Abby's so great at it. She's like, she's amazing. And so there's a cycle of sin we see in the Bible over and over again. And maybe even in our own lives. You see rebellion or sin. People doing their own things. And then you see restitution, where there's consequences to that sin. And then you see repentance, crying out to God. And then you see restoration. And Albert Einstein was quoted in saying this. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. (laughs) And so today we want to like stop the cycle of sin. In a sense, we want to be more aware of it because we don't want to continue to do the same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, and then we expect a different result. But there's no change in our hearts. Otherwise, we're never going to get to the Jordan and into the promised land. And we're going to allow the cracks in us as people to determine what God wants to do in our lives. And I think it should be the other way around. We should be allowing God to determine what happens in our lives. So look at, let's look at Moses' life very quickly. And these cracks that we see through the scriptures. So when it comes to killing an Egyptian, let's look at Exodus 2 verses 11 to 15. You're doing great, by the way, Kev. Yes, bro, you're on it today. So one day when Moses had grown up, so this is 40 years later, they say, some of the commentators that I've been reading, he went out to his people and he looked at their burdens. And so he realized he's he's an Israelite. He realized that um, his people are actually not Egyptian. And I'm sure he must have lived with something because they found him in a basket. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. <laughs> Check this out, eh? <laughs> hey, sorry, go back. So he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So let's just pause there quickly. This is premeditated murder. He sees this thing happening. He goes, no one's looking. No one's looking. No one's looking. I stab you. Or whatever he did. I don't know. Hit him with a brick, probably, because I'm making bricks. Hey, it's not bad, young man. Yeah. Who was that? Josh. Nicely played, buddy. Hmm. Hit him with a brick. Let's carry on. And then he went out the next day. Behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man who was in the wrong, why do you, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who has made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill us? Like he killed the Egyptian. And Moses was afraid. And thought surely this thing is known. And then he runs. And so you see he looks at his Hebrew people and goes. Man these are my people. I need to redeem them. I need to, I need to get them out of this thing. I need to protect them. It's a good heart. But his crackers instead of allowing whatever the system was. To sort that Egyptian out. He took matters into his own hands. And he kills him. Now he's on the run, and he spends 40 years, 40 years in the desert being a shepherd. And it's so crazy, because when he comes into the land, into Midian, he comes to the well, and um, his wife-to-be is getting, he's getting, they're getting hammered by some other guys. And he steps in and sorts him out, eh? You can see this redeeming heart coming through the whole story of Moses. It's amazing. And then the father's like, who's this guy that saved you? And how your, your cattle and your sheep or whatever they had 
watered so quickly. He said, no, there's this guy that's, that sorted these eggs out. And you can see his heart. He's just killed someone. He ran into the desert. Now he's like sorting out. Yeah, he's an ace over here. I like this guy. And then one day, let's read it because it's really cool. Sorry, I know there's a lot of scripture, but I really want to ground this well. Exodus 3, verses 6 to 11. It says, and so, it says, and he says, I am the God of your father and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and was afraid to look at God. So what's happening here is, um, is this the right scripture? Hold on. Yes, yes, it is. It's the burning bush, eh? Yeah, okay. So let's read it. So it's burning bush. So sorry. Uh, and the Lord said, I've surely seen the fiction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I've known their suffering. It's a beautiful thing, this. I've come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place for the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Sure, there was a mouthful. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come to me. Listen to that. Eh? The cry of the people have, of Israel have come to me. And I've also seen the oppression uh, which, uh, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I'll send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people and my children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out to Egypt? So he has this burning bush experience, like a burning bush. And God says, hey, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. And I'll mention, I'll, I'll probably preach that as a whole preach on its own. And God reveals his, his heart to release his people. And the, the first response, can you go, sorry, can you go back to the very last? The first response after all of this amazing stuff is, he's like, but, but Moses said to God, like he's just had this amazing experience with God. Like, and he's like, oh, my I don't know if I can do this. And he moans a few times, actually. This is like the first time. And you see his crack coming out. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. And like, you can't do this. That's the whole point. You guys kind of seeing what I'm seeing? Because I could tell you wrong, you can stone me. No, I'm just going to don't stone me. It would be very sore. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring children of Israel out of Egypt? I mean, God just told him he's going to do it. God's told him that he's going to do it, not Moses. And he makes all these excuses, and eventually God's angry with him, and he's like, oh, send your brother-in-law with you, and it's a chamor song. And you see this, like, he's just, he's so gifted, and, and he's got a heart to redeem people, but he, he keeps on taking things onto himself. He doesn't want to rely on the Lord and all those kind of things. And then we jump to Exodus 18, verses 13 to 20. I'm just trying to show you this crack that I think I'm seeing. It says, the next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from, from morning till evening. There were three million of them, about. I mean, that's a lot of people. When Moses' father-in-law saw uh, all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people have come to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and the other and I make them... Uh, knowing the statutes of God to, uh, and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, what, are you what you're doing is not good. And then he goes on and he talks about, hey, pull out men that are worthy, that are good men from every tribe and help, let them help you. And again, you see Moses doing it by himself. It's him alone. He's taking things into his own hands. It's like where he's got a whole bunch of great people and obviously this is the first time he's actually challenged that like a figure as i'm reading jethro is the only one that said hey very what you're doing isn't good and this is like 80 years in i mean like it's almost too late <laughs> and he actually adjusts which is amazing but you can see that crack coming through it's crazy and then you get to where we started um, let me read it again, just to Numbers 20, 68. Let's just read this quickly. And then you, you see, like it's not actually harsh. Uh, sorry, what was it? Uh, Numbers 20, 68. Can you get it there? Let me read it quick. 
It says this. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent um, of the meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock. See, this is the difference. Tell the rock before their eyes to yield water, its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock and give them to drink, the congregation and their cattle. And so the difference is he's saying, speak to the rock. And Moses doesn't. He smacks the rock. But you can see, again, he's taking things into his own hands. He's, he's maybe a little bit too zealous here. It's crazy. And so you see this crack follow him for 120 years of his life. Time after time. And these are just the big ones that I've found. I just wanted to take a few. Like, otherwise, we'll be here all night. You guys will be tired of my... And you just see these cracks coming. And maybe once he's challenged. Maybe once he's challenged Jethro. But the rest is just left to do what he's doing. And you know what I love about our congregation and our church, Josh Jen? We're not scared to do church the good way. Like, hey, bro, <laughs> I, see, I see something, Kellen. I'm going to tweak a little bit on some of the worship thing. She did great. Some, if we can just tweak a little, one or two little things, she'll be even greater. We're not scared to, like, hey, where's, what's happening there, dude? There's a miff heart or whatever it is. I mean, me, you and me are like just very, call each other, iron sharpens iron all the time. We're not scared to do that because we want to break the cycle. We want to break the crack. We want, to, we want the Holy Spirit to cover that crack up, right? How do we do this? I'm going to start closing. I've got like nine minutes and eight seconds left. Promise you. Check, there it is. <clears throat> On the camera too. How do we overcome our defaults? I think it's, 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 it's easy, but it's hard. Okay, so Titus 2, verse 11 to 14, is one of my favorite scriptures at the moment. Um, it's just been such life to me, um, such an encouragement to me. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Just pause there quickly. Just pause there quick. And so the NIV says it like this. In verse 12, it says, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. So the grace of God is the ability for us to say no to what is bad and yes to what is good. That's the grace of God. <laughs> How kiff is that? And so grace is given to every single child of God. It is by grace that you have been. So we, every single one of us, through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God and through keeping each other accountable, have grace in the Lord to say, no, my crack is not going to define me. My default is not going to take charge. No, we're not going to look left and right and kill the Egyptian. We're not going to do things on our own strength. We're not going to strike the rock when God says we're going to speak to the rock. Grace has been given every single one of us to say, no, and we can do it. That's <laughs> so cool. Sorry, I don't know. I'm excited. Like, have I lost you guys? It's like, are you, are you with me? Like, this is flipping cool because it's not, I, I can't do it. I cannot on my own. Brett can't do it. It's impossible. Only by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ can I do it. And so it's not up to me. Thank you, Jesus, because I mess it up every day. And that should be an encouragement to us. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. And then verse 13. While we may wait for the, uh, for the blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people of his very own, eager to do what is good. So grace doesn't only give us the ability to say no, but it gives us the ability <laughs> to do what is good. Yeah, I love that scripture. And so in the Bible, we see this in, in quite a few characters, if you really look closely. So Peter, the apostle Peter, it was food for him. Three times, Jesus rebukes him. Then 
he, he has that vision of the cloth coming down and full of food. And he goes, surely not God. He's having a revelation from God. And he's like, yeah, I'm a good Jew. And then Paul actually rebukes him going, Peter, you've got a problem with food. We don't know if he ever got over that, but there was a definite crack in him. Crazy. <laughs> Samson, yes, like he was stubborn and pride and he just, he was like, that ain't because of He did. If God said do this, he did the opposite. Until his eyes got gouged out and his hair got cut and he, crazy stuff. Judas, his problem was money. His crack was money. Simon, not Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, the other Simon. You know that he tried to buy the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he, saw the, he saw the apostles working and he's like, Jesus, this is cool. This is power. I want to buy the Holy Spirit so I'm be powerful like these works. His crack was kind of, yeah, it's crazy. And he got rebuked solidly. Solomon, King Solomon, wisest man that ever lived. You know what his crack was? He had, he had wisdom for the whole world, the Bible says. He had wisdom for the whole world, but he didn't have that same wisdom for himself. And his many wives who didn't love Jesus actually got him at the end of the day. That was his crack throughout his life. Crazy stuff. And then Samuel, who was a, a mighty prophet, of the Lord and led Israel for many, 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 many years. You know what his crack was? He let his family run wild to the point that his sons were desecrating the temple. And they were stealing meat from the Lord and perverting the offerings coming in to the point that that actually killed him. And so again, he was so judging everything else, he wasn't looking at his own family. And that crack came through eventually. Yes, and those sons caused chaos. Eh? <laughs> What I loved about last week is, for those who weren't here last week, we had our 10-year as a congregation anniversary. And you know what I heard the whole evening? I feel loved, yeah? But I realize I'm a sinner just like all of you sinners. But Jesus loves me. Yes, and that made, made my heart happy. Because <laughs> we're all in the same boat, guys. We all have these defaults and cracks and things that want to stop us from walking in the fullness of what God wants for us. But I really feel like God wants to stop that today. I really do. Or at least start the process of stopping that today. That we don't get to the end of our lives like Moses and he's sitting on that hill and he's looking over the land that he's been promised like 80 years before. And God says, sorry, you can't have it. I don't want us to be those people, that people. I want us to be men and women who take what God has given us and run. And not be hindered by anything. So this is how we're going to do it. <clears throat> First thing is we need to acknowledge God's plan for our lives. If we want to stop this thing happening over and over. And you know, I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now. You kind of know what your default is, I hope. I hope for you self-aware enough to, oh, that's the thing that keeps on tripping me up. The first thing we need to acknowledge in breaking this thing is, God, you have a plan for me. It's a good starting place. Because he says, before the foundation of the earth, I know you. Before you're in the mother's womb. He knows the hairs on our head. Well, the lack of hairs on some of our heads. But he knows. Thank you for laughing, somebody. And then we need to take action. So we need to acknowledge God has a plan for our lives. But then we need to take hold of that thing. See, I can't walk Altus necessarily into what God's calling me to. I can maybe open some doors if he's walking closely with me and speaking to his life and all of those kind of things. And I think he has a wonderful call of God in his life. And he that, yes, we had a lack of time last night. But I can't help him. He has to do some of that work himself. You know, like he, I can't, I can get him close, but I can't get him through. Only God can do that. And so there's a point where we've got to go, okay, God, this is your call for my life. This is the grace that you've put on me. I'm going to take action. And I'm, going to, I'm going to run in that. So I'm using you as an example because you knew. Yeah, so just visiting and then another thing is we need to obey God's word regardless of how we're feeling. So we need to acknowledge that God has a plan for us. We need to take action on that plan. But it's got to come along the line of what God's word is saying. And we can, I feel differently every day. I don't know about you, but like I'm feeling very tired right now because this is my fourth preach for the weekend. And I've preached four different preaches at four different con con contexts 
or trying to find God's heart for that context. So I'm a little bit knackered right now. If I was acting on how I was feeling right now, I would probably ask someone else to preach. Okay, so we can't go on feelings. We've got to go, God's words call it. He said, this is what we're called to do. We're going to, with joy and all our firmer, we're going to hit this thing and we're going to keep going, you know. And then fourthly is, you need to know that you're not alone in your work with the Lord. So acknowledge God's plan for us. We take action. We obey the word of God regardless of what we're feeling. And we realize that we look around and we go, yo, I'm a better guy because of more name in my life. And hopefully he's a better guy because I'm in his life. And then we stand. Oh, that's me. Yo, that was perfect timing, actually. What? So I was like, on it, eh? Woo! It's only taking like 20 years to get there. <laughs> and so I, I want us to pray together tonight. I want us to, I really feel like this is a word from the Lord. I'm really excited. It's like fresh in me. I was like super challenged and like, God, I want to be Brett that doesn't get hindered by his own stupidity. <laughs> I want to be Brett that keeps on moving forward. But I need you, God. And so could I ask you to respond to God? You're not going to respond to me tonight. Please don't respond to me tonight. That would be the worst thing you could do. But if you desperately see this thing in you, a crack in you, a thing that's maybe stopping you, a thing that you desperately want God to deal with, I think the first, can you stand with me? I'm standing because I've got cracks in my life. Stand with me. You don't have to stand. Please don't stand if you're not seeing anything. Okay. Please don't stand if you're not seeing anything. Maybe can you open your hands to the Lord? Because um, he has to do work. Yeah, I, I, I'm just bringing the word, you know. And then as you stand there, um, could you just take that thing to the Lord? Can you, in your heart, name it? Say, God, this is, I think, my crack. This is the thing that's stopping me. I don't want that pressure to expose that thing anymore. Say, God, I want a fresh sense of your grace in my life. Ask Him. Grace is given freely by the Lord, only by the Lord. Grace is a free gift. Grace is that thing that helps us to say no, to live a godly life, and to do what is good. And so, Father, as we come together, as individuals and as your body, as your family, Lord. We want to pray right now that you will pour your grace upon us like never before. Lord, we want to ask you to stop those cycles in our lives, those little foxes, Lord, from becoming big foxes so that we can be totally effective for you in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll build faith in us right now. Lord, your word says... In Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please you. Lord, I pray that you pour your faith upon us like never before. Lord, that you'll do a deep, supernatural working of your Holy Spirit in every single one of us who is responding to your word tonight. No man can do that. Only you can do that. Lord, that we'll stop our foolishness and start walking in fruitfulness. Lord, I pray for conviction over us. I pray that you'll convict us right now, Lord. Not condemnation, but conviction. That our hearts will burn, 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 burn like never before for you. So we can continue to see the great works that you're doing in us, Lord. That every week we meet together, a new testimony, a new testimony, a new testimony of your grace might come. Please, God, we're asking. We're asking that we become nothing so that you can become everything. And as we go into this week, whether that pressure is people pressure or relationship pressure or financial pressure or illness pressure or whatever it is, Lord, when those moments come, Father, that you'll remind us of this moment. That we'll become overcomers of our Redeemer. 
some of us, I'm just feeling the Lord saying this, for some of us to break this cycle might have to be more radical than you think it should be. So in other words, um, I'm feeling like there's someone here tonight that you have um, quite a big issue with alcohol and you've been hiding it from us. Um, and I think for you, you, you breaking the cycle, actually take all that stuff and throw it down the drain would be probably a good start. Um, I just felt like the Lord says, you have to, it has to be a radical cutting for that person. So Lord, if there is anyone like that here tonight, I really just pray. Even as I said that, they're probably wo- like wobbling. They're like, what? Lord, I pray that your grace will come over them right now. That they won't allow that thing to be their cycle breaker. And then I would encourage you, if you get to that point where you can do that, I would tell somebody and celebrate with them just so that there's accountability there. Amazing God. Amazing King. King of glory. Love you, Lord. We just want to please you, God. We want, we want you to look down, and I think you are just pleased with your sons and your daughters. So as Brett was sharing that, I, I felt the Lord gave me a picture of, it was a jar. Um, and, uh, you know, many of us, we all have cracks, and it's things that we try to hide from the world. The world says, you know, always present yourself as perfect and you've got everything together. But this is the place where it's like, and I, I, God gave me a picture of this, this jar and it's got all these cracks in it. And, you know, there was light around it, but it didn't illuminate or bring anything or display anything. But it, as I saw, as the Lord took the light and as he put it into this jar full of cracks and as the light shone through it, put a whole lot of pictures all around of the glory of God. And showing what, what, when we allow Jesus and we're full of Jesus, it doesn't mean that all our cracks go away tonight. But as we, I saw as we put the light of God in there, it begins to display all the goodness and the glory and the power of Jesus, not just in us, but everyone else. It's the writing on the wall when we allow the light of God to come in and let him shine through that. And I want to encourage you, hey, this, this word wasn't to condemn us at all. It was to... Okay, God, it's possible to actually overcome. <laughs> that was the heart. Okay, so please, I know that those guys who desperately love Jesus, you're going to be like, ah, please don't. His, his, his yoke is light. His burden is easy. But we have to talk about these things because we can't just act like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the heart. So desperately love you guys. And I'm so stoked at what God's doing in and through us. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I feel so privileged to be part of a congregation like this. So thank you guys for loving Jesus and loving each other. Um, yeah. Father, for the s'mores we're about to devour, and for the coffee and the fellowship and just getting to know each other a little bit better, Lord. I pray that you'll just be in the midst, Lord. And even, I'd encourage us, even ask the Lord, hey, who can I encourage as we end this meeting? Ask God to show you somebody, maybe ask for a word, a prayer, just a kind, a kind, something kind, maybe even just encouraging. Say, hey, God, just, let's love each other, hey, guys. Let's fellowship. We're a little early. We're like 15 minutes early, which is quite good. And so I would ask, just care a little bit, just, still light, kids are going to be happy running around grab a coffee, grab someone's house to someone that you don't know the s'mores, oh they look amazing what are, what are they actually? Mouth, what? melted chocolate and mari biscuits and marshmallows Who is that what a s'more is? see, that sounds amazing I thought it was those other things like the rooster cookie things that I go wrong 
Yo. What is it? Small. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Small. Love you guys. (laughs) I'm just going to end it. Love you guys. Have a lovely rest of your evening. Thanks for joining us.